Greetings and welcome to this episode of The Profit in the Nonprofit, where you will discover what it takes to start, build, and fund your nonprofit. I am your host, Sandra Cheney, and we are back for part two of Money Talks. Um, if you uh, missed part one, please go back and listen to it because it was a wealth of information. My guest is Amira Scott, and she is the chief accounting strategist of Mindful Cashflow LLC. She helps entrepreneurs and small business owners build a solid financial foundation. She has a successful 20-year career as a staff accountant and senior accountant serving the corporate, government, small business, and nonprofit industries. Amira has three children and makes self-care a priority. She is available for financial analysis and private consultation. Amira, welcome back. Hi. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, that part one was awesome. I mean, it I really was. thank you for that, all that information that you gave um, our audience. And again, um, if you missed it, please go back and listen to part one, because we talked about why you need a budget, the importance of having a finance person on your board. We talked about the difference between a CPA, a bookkeeper, slash staff accountant, and the day-to-day. We discussed the difference between operation and program budgets because there is a difference. And then we talked about the importance of having the, the executive director be involved in the day-to-day operations of the organization. And I want to pick up from there because you did talk about, you know, how this lands on the shoulders of the director they're, you know, if they're not involved and, and they get these questions that come to them from an auditor or, I don't know, from the federal government because of money's not looking right or the budget is off, it lands on their shoulders. So they really, really have to run this organization. First of all, like it's a business, yeah. right? Because yeah, it is a yeah. nonprofit, it's a business. It's a business. I mean, it is nonprofit, but you do make profit <laughs> in the nonprofit. You do. I- I, from the experience that I had at the nonprofit that I was working at, one of the things that I always kept in my mind was you can have a nonprofit, you can be passionate about wanting to help the community and you're out in the field and in the streets and you're making an impact or whatever, but you could have a really good mindset about doing that, but not realizing that your house is burning down. And you're not even paying attention that your house is burning down because you want to save the world, but you got to save your house. Woof, that's good right there. <laughs> I'm sorry, but then it's like, you're, so you're out of order, you know? So you got you to gotta know what's going on before you go out the door to save the world. You got to make sure that your house is good. You know, when you leave your normal house, you put your alarm on, you make mm-hmm. sure your doors are locked, your windows are locked. You make sure the lights are out, everything. The stove is off. The, right? yes, the, stove the iron is yes. unplugged because I remember yes. the iron plugged up a couple yes. of times. <laughs> that iron yes. and that stove, yes. So you make sure with your house that you do that. You have to look at your nonprofit the same way. Even if you don't do it on a daily basis, make it a point and I don't and I know we can get real busy or you got a meeting with here you got a meeting with that and you got to do this you got to do that you need to make a like a check-in on a monthly maybe basis 
on, okay, what is the temperature of the organization? How are things going? What does this look like? Let me look at the financial reports. What's going on here? What's going on there? Because you just gotta, you gotta know. You can't save the world and your whole house is burning down. Oh, that is um, so true. So having said that, can you share what are some key accounting services that not just should be, but are mandatory for your nonprofit? Because I don't know that people really recognize or understand that. Um, and I, and you know, as a federal review, when I review grants for sometimes for the government, when and we get these budgets, sometimes you can tell those who actually had someone who knew what they were doing do it, versus those who were like, okay, I, I, I see twenty five million dollars. I'm going to apply for this. Let me just put this budget together, and not really understanding what it takes um, to run a nonprofit, but also the services that you need from an accounting standpoint. Yes. Um, we kind of alluded to this in the first episode, but you have to have um, a CFO, just like the service, like the CPA. So I would say the CFO, CPA, your accountant, and those these terms can be interchangeable. They could be the accountant, the controller, staff accountant, bookkeeper. Like it just depends on how big your organization is. Um, and I would also add in there a budget analyst. Ooh, why? Why? Oh, that's good. Because all of the rest could do it. The budget analyst, that's their expertise. So right? explain what a budget analyst is. Um, the bookkeeper is going to just do your basic day-to-day accounting type things. Like I said, um, paying bills, sending invoices out. Uh, reconciling your bank accounts on a monthly basis, those kinds of things, maybe even doing payroll if you have it. The budget analysis, that's their whole job is to create a budget. When we talked about the operational and the um, pro- pro- programmatic budget, um, to see the budget, the, the budget trends. Okay, we had this budget for, let's say, Q1. In Q2, the numbers look like this. Let's look at the budget to see where they have may have been ebb and flows, where we, may, we maybe need to change some things here. We're spending too much mm-hmm. here, we need to pull back, things like that. Um, and even forecasting. So, okay, this year or this six months, the budget was this, but the actual was this. To forecast the next six months, this is what it, the budget should look like compared to this. Like, they, they, mm-hmm. they will do that type of analysis. The accountant, bookkeeper, staff accountant, they're not going to do that. They're going to provide you the data to get that done, but that's not their main job to do. Wow. You know, I forgot that sometimes I, I have seen uh, in, you know, grants and things like that where they have an accountant, but they also have, you know, a budget analyst. And while you were talking, mm-hmm. I decided to just look up um, what a budget analyst is or what they say, because just so that people understand what their jobs are to make it plain, it says budget analysts uh, may examine past budgets, as she stated, and research economic and financial developments mm. that affect the organization's income and expenditures. They also may recommend cutting spending on particular mm-hmm. programs or redistributing funds. This yes. is also why you have to have a finance person. 
<laughs> on your board yep. <laughs> because the finance person will also look at what this budget analyst is talking about, right? And they will yes. um, either agree with the recommendations or make additional recommendations as it relates mm-hmm. to how these funds need to be re- redistributed. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as um, you know, grants are competitive. So it doesn't mean every year you're going to get the same grant funding. It doesn't mean, you know, and so there may be a point where you might lose funding and you're going to have to look at, so how do I re, um, do, use these funds? And that's why an analyst is important. That's why a finance person is important. Yes. I never thought about budgets. Like everybody said that. <laughs> yeah, everybody has a role and, you know, it could be, you know, we could talking now and it could be overwhelming. Like, oh my God, I didn't know that I was going to mm-hmm. need all of that. You know, for my nonprofit, I don't know, you know, this is this too much, you know, that's what a lot of people say, this is too much, I can't do this. Um, but these are the things that you have to consider and think about when you want a nonprofit. That's why you have to get away from it, from the title of executive director and you have a nonprofit and that's real catchy and cute and makes you look really good. But for us on the other side, who know what that means? <laughs> We like bless you, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is there's a lot that goes into it. And if you don't have the budget, this is why I always go back to your why is so important. Yeah. Why are you starting this nonprofit? Why you want to become an executive director, you know, if someone offers you a job? Why do you want to be on the board? Like why and it, it goes back to the why. It just goes back to everything. And the budget is part of your foundation, first of all. And you can't do anything without a budget, but you got to have the right people um, in office. You have to have the right people. And these people need to understand conflict of interest. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I can speak on that a little bit because I've had two instances where because of my expertise, I've been asked to be on the board and then I've been asked to, to provide, <laughs> be a SME on the program. And then I've been asked to be in the bookkeeper and accounting accountant. And I have learned okay, before that. You, before before uh, you do that, you keep saying the S and S and E. S M subject matter expert. S-M-E. Okay. Thank you. Because yeah, thank you. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. S M E subject matter expert. Um, I've had to either, I've had to decline some of those because I say, if I'm your treasurer, I can't be your bookkeeper. There's a conflict of interest. Or if I'm your bookkeeper or accountant, I can't be your program workshop leader or whatever. Like I can't do that. I can't do both because it's a conflict of interest. So you got to pick one, like which one am I going to do? Or I pick it myself because I know for a particular nonprofit, like where I fit in best. And mm-hmm. I'll say, you know, if you want my unsolicited advice, I may can give you that, but I can't serve in that role. So you, when you say you got to choose the right people and your team, you got to really think about that. You know, where do mm-hmm. I want, in my instance, one person had to think, okay, where is the mirror going to be best suited for this nonprofit or for what I'm doing. I know mm-hmm. all that she can do, but where would she be best fitted? 
Wow. Okay, so uh, we are going to take a commercial break. And when we come back, we will continue the conversation because I really want to talk about that conflict and how it can hurt you if you don't uh, have that in place or if you don't pick the right people. Hey, this is Cindy Cherlinet, and I'm so excited to share with you my international podcast, Perfect Timing, that will be broadcasting on Mondays at 2 p.m. through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and so much more. We will have outstanding guests that will talk about their passions, goals, and dreams. Make sure you tune in and have a seat at the table where we will create a voice for us every Monday at 2 p.m. This is Sydney Collins of Perfect Timing. start a nonprofit and don't know where to begin or are you a nonprofit owner who's looking for funding greetings I am Sandra Cheney and I have over 20 years of experience helping nonprofits either find funding or helping you to create your nonprofit schedule a free 25-minute consultation with me Sandra Cheney a nonprofit consultant and funding strategist you may contact me at www.sondracheney.com. Click on Coaching, and you'll see Nonprofit Strategist. I look forward to seeing you soon. So welcome back and thank you. Uh, we are doing part two of Money Talks with my guest, Amira Scott. And we were talking about before the commercial, the conflict of interest and the importance of having the right people on your board, but also understanding, especially on the board, they must sign a conflict of interest form, really, because that just say, mm-hmm. helps you as a, uh, as a boy, especially when it comes down to a finance person, an mm-hmm. accountant, a bookkeeper, uh, and all those things. You have to be careful, and even with your staff, mm-hmm. your staff may want to, ha- may, we may want to have your staff sign a conflict of interest form, but I mean, how can that hurt you if you don't if if you don't have someone sign a conflict of interest form or if in your case you served on the board right but then you were also mm-hmm. a bookkeeper how did how would that hurt the organization you can get fined and audited and potentially lose your grant like that's the end result Ooh, well that's straight <laughs> <laughs> i mean like at the end that's what's going to happen you could get away with it for i don't know you might, but it's not going to last. Well, then you Because when it. you do, you, you can't, like, even if, because you have, oh, and you asked about another, I just remembered um, what you need uh, finance-wise, you need an auditor. Mm-hmm. Because what will happen is the audit, when you get audited, because you have to have a yearly audit. Some people do six months, but a year, a year audit is fine. When that auditor or those artists come in, 
and they start because they got to dig. They want everything, bank statements. They want reports. They want payroll. Like they want to see it all. When they start seeing it, and they see, wait, Amira did this, but she's also in it. Red flags. Mm. Are going wow. to go up, and they're going to put that in their audit report. And because they, the auditors have to have a list of recommendations. They had to find. They had to list their findings, and then they have their recommendations. They're going to find that Amira is basically double dipping, and they're going to recommend <laughs> either she pick one or fire. Like I don't know, but they're going to they're going to have a recommendation. And which is why it's important to have people sign a conflict of interest form, especially if they're on your board, because mm-hmm. uh, it, it could end up hurting you in the long run if you don't do that. And like you, like she said, the end result is you just you can lose the grant because that that, that is double dipping. And it's not that nonprofits sometimes do it intentionally. Sometimes they just really don't know. So this is why I wanted us to, you know, to make that, uh, make that very clear about why you need to have that in place and why you can only have her do one, the, the accountant do one or the other, or have one person as a finance person and then somebody else, you know, as the accountant. It is vitally important that you separate that out. It's the same thing for the executive director. If you're the founder, you can't be the chairman of the board and then turn around and get paid. No. <laughs> and to run your nonprofit. <laughs> Same no. thing. It's a conflict. So you have to be so, very, very clear about that. Yeah. And and for those who, who may be thinking like, this is too much. I don't have enough money to pay all of these people. I would say at, at basic, if you're the executive director, then, then you be the budget analyst. Like you got to see where you can fit. So maybe it's just you, the executive director, doing certain things. And you bring on maybe like a full-time or contractual um, accountant that will do the day-to-day. And then you you source out or put on a retainer, like a part-time CFO. Mm-hmm. So you may not need them every day, but you may need them, you know, as you need it for questions and guidance and things like that. I would mm-hmm. kind of say that at minimum. Mm-hmm. As you grow, then you will start to add on and then you get more programming. Then you start to add on a couple, you know, few more things. But I would, I would say that at, at minimum. So that's going to mean that you will have to do some searching um, and, and seeing, you know, who you can use and, right. and things like that. So I just wanted to make that point there for those who may think that this is too overwhelming. I don't have money to pay all of these people. How do I do it? There's ways around it. Yeah. And, you know, and while you were talking, something dropped for me um, was that you look at, you know, some of these like college students, maybe who are in a junior senior year. Right. Yeah. And especially if they're if if they're looking at working in nonprofit from an accounting standpoint, Get them yeah. as an intern to begin yeah. to help you do some stuff. There's, there are ways to be able to get the help that you need. You know, there's organizations like every state has a nonprofit council, mm-hmm. right? You could become a member um, for little or nothing, and they too can help you with that information. So don't look at it as overwhelming. Remember your why, because your why is going to drive why you do what yes. you do. 
let me tell you about these, the college, and I say these college students, the wonderful college students. <laughs> I have one um, on my staff now, um, and she, she works for me. She's a junior accountant. This smart young lady runs circles around me. She takes my brain ideas and gets it done fast. And I'm like, I need you in my everyday life. (laughs) I don't know if it's the Gen Z or whatever, but I'm like, yes. But I'm saying that to say they have the energy. They had the drive. They had the expertise. They got all day. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. please seek out the college students because they are the one and they're hungry. They want to know. So that was a really good example and advice to, to seek out college students. Yeah. Um, so yeah, don't rule them out. I'm, I'm just trying to tell you, you know, yeah. uh, and, and honestly, you think about the staff that you need, you mm-hmm. know, you might be able to find, you know, work with interns in the mm-hmm. interim, you know, until you are able to get funding in um, to pay them the way the whether they need to be paid. And this is experience for them. So think about that. So I want to switch gears just a little because I want to talk about, because this is so important to me because I believe how you do one thing is how you Mm -hmm. do everything. (laughs) (laughs) How important is your personal life as it relates to running a nonprofit business? Because how you do one thing is how you do everything. And to me, if your personal life isn't together, it shows up in other areas, especially your business. It does. And I have seen this again um, with really the nonprofit and just even in, you know, other industries that I've worked in as a leader. um, I go back to the house. If your physical house where you live in isn't right, then where you go in your work life or nonprofit life is not going to be right. We know that everything flows from the head, right? Mm -hmm. So if you having conflict with your children, with your husband, with the dog, with the garbage man or whatever, and that's your nature. When you go into the nonprofit arena and you want to be executive director and you have a team under you, the same way you communicate with them is going to be the same way you communicate in your nonprofit. And that's either going to make or break your nonprofit. Mm-hmm. In, in, in the parallels, I've seen it so many times it's good to have the title as a leader, but if you don't do the work on the inside to fix you or how you communicate and how you um, handle people and conflict and things like that, the telltale sign is at home. What they say, if you want to know who you are, have a child or get married. Yes. <laughs> have mm-hmm. a child or get married. Cause it'll show you who you are. Mm-hmm. If you want to know who you are, have a nonprofit and people under you, and see how that works. See what they're saying. See what the vibe is. What is the energy in the office? Well, and that, and me, but see, it also, at the end of the day, the bottom line, uh, it reflects in dollars and cents. It, yes. It, it reflects <laughs> in dollars and cents because if your personal life is somewhat um, hectic and out of whack, that means so is your budget. That means so is your spending habits. <laughs> so, which well, means it's going to be the same with your nonprofit. So that goes to if your personal budget, <laughs> your personal finances are jacked up, the same thing's gonna happen in the business. You mm-hmm. you you can't tell me that you're gonna make sure that your business or nonprofit budget is to the T and your personal life sucks. Like you can't 
you got to be even. So mm-hmm. it starts at home. Mm-hmm. Get your personal budget together. Get your personal life together so that things can flow easily. Then when yes. you get over to your nonprofit, honestly, doing a budget shouldn't be a scary thing because you already know how to do it in your personal life. Right. And it's so important that you understand that it really, really is because it will affect everything if you don't. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to feel like such a failure when you're not. It's just that things are hectic. So before you mm-hmm. start this nonprofit, before you take on um, uh, the job as an executive director, make sure that you have things at home together so that you're yeah. able uh, to run the nonprofit and provide the services that the community that you are targeting need. I would also suggest um, an executive coach. Yes. If you want to know, you know, because they will help to determine where your weaknesses and your strengths are so that you can be a good and effective executive director. Wow. Well, thank you. And that's how we're going to end (laughs) this show. I appreciate you saying that. So once again, please tell our listening audience how they may connect with you. Absolutely. You can email me at info at mindfulcashflow.com. That's info at I, sorry, info at M-I-N-D-F-U-L-C-A-S-H-F-L-O-W.com. Info at mindfulcashflow.com. Well, thank you everyone for listening in. Thank you, Amira. This was awesome and amazing. Uh, If uh, if you are interested in receiving a 25-minute consultation with me, please visit my website at www.sandrachaney.com. And I want you to remember this. An inspired and successful nonprofit leader is a leader who remembers their why and works from the inside out because it truly is an inside job. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. 